This podcast is part of E2C Network, where we share the whole Auburn experience. Where you go, Auburn fans? Welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion, part of the E2C Network. I'm AJ Richardson, and I'm also here with Jared Davis. We get to talk about a win. Jared, how good does it feel to actually talk about a win after so long, such a drought of not getting a win for this Auburn team? What is this win you speak of? What is that? <laughs> it's like, you know, put like a couple L's together and then you get the W. You know? yeah. I'm, I'm, oh, yeah. You know? Like, yeah, a couple of L's equal a W. Yeah, I. it definitely feels better than talking about a loss. So, yeah, I'm excited, man. It was it was fun times. Yeah, and you went, right? I did, yep. Yeah, I, I was there as well. I want to get your Son opinion and a, my brother on... and a, a couple of buddies. Yeah, I, I want to get your opinion on it. Like, how, how did things go? Like, how was the environment? Could you feel it in the air? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was electric. I mean, the very beginning, um, my my wife was at home, and she texted and said they were saying on TV that it was – the stadium was ridiculous. And I told her, I said, yeah, at the beginning of the game, it was – I mean, it's about as good as you can get. Hmm. Uh, it was. I mean, it was crazy. That's, that was my thought on it. I mean, it was like an iron bowl, essentially, an iron bowl that mattered. So, yeah, um, it, it tapered off towards the – the end of the crowd emptied out a little bit. And it was most likely because it was super cold. <laughs> I don't think yeah. anybody planned for that. Um, yeah. How many the, people I saw walking into the stadium with either shorts or short dresses or skirts. I'm like, what? Y'all about to leave. Like it, it's just bound to happen because you're going to freeze. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think anybody planned. You know, it's one of those days where it, I think at the beginning of the day, it started out, you know, 68 degrees. And by the, halftime it was you know you needed to be really bundled up so it's just hard to plan but end of the day the atmosphere i thought was awesome what did you take away from it yeah i mean myself my family you could just you could feel the team's energy coming off of that field i mean there there are moments uh especially i was thinking about you know the second half where you could just tell this defense was feeling so good about how how they were holding Texas A&M to pretty much no yards and most of the second half besides that one drive. And then you get, you know, the classic swag surf, you get the, you know, just the, all of the, I've even got a video of it. All the players when they were doing swag surf were on the sideline, just dancing and having so much fun. And I don't remember seeing that side of them at all under Harson, which is kind of interesting. Um, and maybe it's just like, you know, Cadillac's kind of free roaming. Like, I don't know. He lets people do their thing, it seems like. And so he's letting his players do their thing. And I feel like the players felt that. And I enjoyed that. Um, you know, seeing them really enjoy the, the time. Because, I mean, how often do you get a night game against a good, well, this is a good game. Like, it, it was, you know, Auburn coming into it and saying, we can beat the Texas A&M team who just had the number one recruiting class. We can do this and believing that. And I think that kind of, for a lot of fans, even we were like, wow, I believe it too. I mean, how crazy is that? You know, coming into this game, I don't, I, I thought, man, we might not have a chance if Texas A&M is kind of moving, but we did it. <laughs> we got the win and uh, I'm, I'm man, it just feels good. Yeah, uh, it was definitely a good feeling. Yeah. 
What did you think of? I don't know if you'd experienced uh, the mass singer. Uh, this was kind of another environment <laughs> thing. Uh, did you did you guess it correct? I want to ask. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> My son got it right when they put the options up. He wouldn't have known Derek all without it. But uh, yeah. I no, I I think I vote. I think I put Shanker. I don't know. I couldn't tell. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. It was. <laughs> I like I like when they pan over to the player <laughs> afterwards because Hall's just laughing and waving at the crowd because it was yeah. terrible singing. Um, and, and the thing was, his singing wasn't the worst I've ever heard. No, it wasn't and, the worst. And, you know, he was actually kind of on tune a little bit. Like, if I was him, I mean, just about anybody, whoever, like, if you're not voice trained and you sing in front of a huge crowd, you're not, like, it's hard. It's really hard. Um, but, yeah, it was Derek Hall. He sang, uh, I think it was Better Together by Luke Combs. Uh, I mean, um, yeah. another another kind of just environment thing. You know, the Go Crazy Cadillac, I feel like they capitalize off of that so well. I mean, everybody prior to this game was, you know, that was the narrative for this game. Just go crazy, Cadillac. And <laughs> there was a couple, like, third downs where they put it on the uh, you know, Jumbotron and say, or where's what are we, Cadillac up there yelling, go crazy. And you're like, this is awesome. This just yeah. feels so good. Yeah, that always put, that did pump the crowd up every time. So that was, again, a good use of that. I agree with you on that. Um, yeah. And uh, not not related to that at all, but we're talking about the mass Singer. So Dylan Cardwell, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, he takes his shirt off. I don't know oh, if you yes. know that. So he takes his shirt off and is celebrating. Well, there's this little bitty kid. Not little bitty, <laughs> but, I mean, he's probably, like, 10 years old. He yeah. does it, too, and apparently this isn't the first time they, yeah. they've met each other now. Like, he know Cardwell knows the family, so Cardwell does it, and then that kid does it. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty funny. Yeah, I'd seen that at another game, maybe two games at this point, and I was like, that's so fun. Like, just to, you know, have their little thing. Like, it reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you remember the mustache guy from, like, the 20, what, 2015 season where not the greatest of seasons. And I felt like we kind of had like the mascot up in the crowd. Like it was kind of, you know, we got Albie, Albie's great. Don't get me wrong, but you, you got to have like a fan that kind of embodies that. And it was the mustache guy holding up a one with his mustache and just like a straight face staring right at the camera. And I felt like this is kind of the embodiment of this football season is Cardwell taking off his shirt jumping up and down I know he did it last year but like it doesn't matter we're gonna have fun and I think that's kind of a really cool testament to what this team and this environment and and like everybody keeps saying the phrase it's Auburn being Auburn and you know people have kind of turned that in a way I feel like to a negative sense you know it's just Auburn being Auburn they're going weird they're yeah, have so much dysfunction, you know, I feel like you could say that, but I think what they're also kind of saying is Auburn being Auburn and that a three and six team sells out a game and packs out the stadium and goes nuts. How crazy is that <laughs> against yeah, a team that's three and six as well? Yeah, I mean, you don't see that much. I mean, <clears throat> a unique situation, right? I mean, you got Cadillac, um, that, that was the reason, uh, I think, for the most part, but that just shows you how much, you know, it's Cadillac says you love Auburn, they'll love you back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that that is absolutely, um, I think that's absolutely true. So I know we've talked a lot about Cadillac and re-energizing this team. 
I do want to talk about kind of the coaching and just think about how crazy it is that Cadillac, you know, literally a running backs coach becomes interim head coach and essentially out coaches somebody who's a, for all intents and purposes, a hundred million dollar coach in Jimbo Fisher. How crazy is that? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. What is the running back? What does a running backs coach make? I don't know. Cadillac probably making it was, I don't it know. was like 400K. I mean, it's it's very good. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's in, in real world, he's doing all right. In coaching world, that, yeah. I mean, Jimbo, what is making essentially 10 million a year? Yeah. Cadillac's making 400,000. Jimbo's been doing this for, I don't know, 20 years. Cadillac's <laughs> yeah. been a head coach for a week and a half. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's really, it's, it's crazy when you think about it. Yeah. Well, I just think back to a couple times where it just seemed like you, you kind of look over at Jimbo and you just see the Texas A&M team. I don't know about you, but I noticed a couple times where just Texas A&M players, it was a little chippy out there. And I was like, Jimbo, pull your players back, you know, like take control of your team. And it was like, he didn't care. And I just, that's amazing to me. You know, it's almost like he's writing off this season and he's checked out. He's he's done. He's ready to move on to the next season. And it's like, dude, you're still coaching out there. Like this team, if you if you're acting like this right now, you're about to see a huge wave of players leave because of your attitude. And I, I don't know, like that that just stood out to me that he just really didn't care. <laughs> Did you get that impression at all? Yeah, I didn't. I actually didn't look over there at him at all, but I did hear someone else, not totally on that same level of you know letting his players do whatever they want, but um, they did say that he just seemed not involved. Like mm. <laughs> he didn't want to be there. Is right. Like said that it kind of appeared on the any time they would pan over to him. So um, I don't know. He probably doesn't want to be there. I mean, you know, the heat he's taking. I mean, it's pretty embarrassing, honestly, to be. Right. I mean, they've lost six in a row. Yeah, well, and some there was a stat out there. This is the first number uh, you know, after getting the first number one recruiting class, the first team ever to have a losing season, and he's going to do it in probably. A, I mean, like oh, he's going to get four. four oh, he's wins. going out in style. I mean, he <laughs> it isn't just a losing season. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I've always laughed when they they had him ranked real high at the beginning of the year, and I was like, look, Jimbo's eight and four. <laughs> I mean, that's what he gets. Yeah. You know? Um, I did not anticipate him being a four and eight coach. Um, so this is a little surprising and I think they are going to lose a lot of transfers. The only thing that they may have going for them is a lot. I, apparently, of course, this never happened according to Jimbo, but their little NIL deals they were working with players was, um, kind of gradual. It wasn't like all up front. So if these kids mm. leave, I don't know if they get that money. However, if they're good enough, they'll get more money somewhere else. So I don't know. I, I would be. I mean, they had a guy come out and tweet their one of their five star receivers tweeted, "Hey, uh, sorry I couldn't play. I, I, I was wearing sleeves, and apparently I'm not. Uh, it's not okay to wear sleeves. Like essentially, Jimbo didn't let him play because of that. Whoa. I mean, I don't know. There's got to be more to that story. But that was his tweet. He said, "Sorry, A and M family let you down. I I was wearing sleeves that other players were wearing, and I wasn't allowed to play." Interesting. I wonder. I mean, to me, that that seems kind of silly, but, you know, I don't know. Like, it, it just strikes me as somebody who, I mean, even last year, like, I was thinking back to Texas A&M. You know, for them, you know, they were pretty underwhelming as well. 
I mean, for them to go last year eight and four and four and four in the SEC, you know, they had such high hopes, and they they brought it into the recruiting. They did great with with recruiting, and like I'm sure if they're going for that you know top recruiting class, which I'm sure they want. I mean, if any player looks at that, they're gonna be like, would I rather go to that or an up and coming school or one of the schools that's been around a while doing great doing great already. Like, I think you're probably going to go to those great schools or those up-and-coming schools versus a program that seems to be going downhill. Yeah, I, I don't know what else Texas schools can do. I mean, they get all the recruits, they go hire prior successful coaches, and they're still mediocre. Like, right. I don't, like I don't, it blows my mind. There needs to be some research done on maybe, maybe high school, maybe Texas high school talent is overrated. At this point, it might be. I mean, there's really got to be something. I mean, these people, I mean, it's, that's supposedly like one of the best, if the best recruiting base in the country. And Texas and A&M every year do not live up to expectations. Yeah. I mean, I know they did it with Vince. Vince Young was kind of their Cam Newton, right? I mean, he mm-hmm. he took the put the team on his shoulder, and they did then. But really, for the most part, they don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, one other topic I want to talk about, and this is coming down back to, again to kind of coaching and how Cadillac has uh, really gotten his team engaged. Uh, I saw a stat. Uh, I think Justin Ferguson pulled this up. It was a you know, pro football focus looked at the missed tackles of the Ole Miss and Arkansas game. So you know those, you know under Harson, compare that to the last couple of games, Mississippi State and Texas A&M. So. The, the last two games of Harson, 44 combined missed tackles. The last two games under Cadillac, Mississippi State and Texas A&M, only 12. That's, that's insane. That's, what, 30% less or, or 70% less, whatever it is. Like, it's crazy. And, and to me, that is, you know, you know, you kept hearing Harson saying, execution, execution, execution. Like, it, it, to me there was something else besides just saying it's execution. And one of the things I keep coming back to is how much Cadillac you can tell loves this team. He loves being able to, you said, serve the team. Yeah. That I think excites players. You know, that's the thing that Auburn, just Auburn being Auburn, that's something that we have. um, And I think was missing, which is kind of sad to say, um, you know, looking back, but I think that's getting brought back and the players are feeling it. They're executing, they're doing things better. Um, yeah, sure. Did we have, you know, not that great of an offense this game? Yeah. But we didn't necessarily have to have that much of an offense when truly Texas A&M, I mean, if we didn't have turnovers, I don't think Texas A&M would have scored a point. <laughs> it really doesn't feel that way. So, I mean, to me that that's, just crazy that we can talk and say that we we were able to pretty much hold Texas A&M to no points besides you know some kind of weird fluky fumbles and turnovers that kind of stuff. Let's talk about our offense. So Robbie obviously didn't have his best of days as far as uh, passing the ball around. Uh, he was six of thirteen for only sixty yards. Uh, he had a touchdown pass, which that was fantastic. That was such a cool play design. Um, like it almost looked like it was a, wow, they schemed the guy open. I mean, (laughs) 
Jared, have we schemed to get? I feel like it's been so long since we actually schemed the guy open and it actually worked. So that's yeah. Crazy. The last part is the key. Yeah, scheme. Yeah, I, I think we've occasionally schemed them open, but we don't see them or overthrow them. And yeah, so that was nice to see. Yeah. Um. I mean, Robbie kind of doing his thing every. You know, he, he's going to get the yards rushing too, and that keeps the you know defense sitting back, especially when we we decided and you know the throwing the passing game was just not working you know we're gonna have to run the ball a lot and we put the load on both uh jerk hunter and tank bigsby uh both got 121 yards each uh i mean if you look at jerk numbers right now he averaged 9.3 yards per carry he was on fire i mean <laughs> i know tank put in the hard work but jerk whoo that was fun that was fun um, I don't know, Jared, did you also see one of the runs for Tank Bigsby? It was one of his uh, pretty long runs. Uh, it might have been his longest run, that 39-yarder. And Cadillac's running it on the sideline with him. On, and you're just like, that just feels so right. Like, to yeah. have your old 2004 running back running with the current 2022 running back. So fun. Yeah, that was that's cool. Somebody captured that. That's a cool picture. Yeah. Um, something else about Tank, he has now the ninth most rush rushing yards in Auburn history. He just passed Ronnie Brown. So congrats to Tank. He will continue to uh, climb up those ranks a little bit longer um, while he's here at Auburn. A couple other things. Uh, You know, John Samuel Schenker. We we always, I feel like we kind of take him for granted a little bit, but think about this. He has been such a consistent player for most of his career that he had his, 60th game that he's played in which is the most career games breaking a previous auburn record that was set by td moultrie so i'm very thankful for shinker and what he's put into this i mean he could have just said i'm done and not coming back but he he decided to come back can he collect retirement now is that social security what's up is he he's He's, in on that right he's he he could he probably has some gray hair too they probably call him grandpa on the team. He's been <laughs> around a while. He probably does. Um, but let's talk about, you know, something else, you know, the turnovers. Because, you know, despite this, you know, changing of the coaching staff, we still have an issue with fumbles. And to me, that's uh, to me, that's kind of inexcusable a lot of times. Like some of those, you're really like you can you can control things. And, and that's that's the hard part. And we just keep, you know, losing that turnover battle, which that, again, like it kept Texas A&M in the game. So it, it is kind of just a part of this team for this year's DNA. And uh, we just got to minimize it as much as possible. Um, but, hey, I, I, that turnover in the fourth quarter that we caused, you know, uh, Colby Wooden it strip sacking the guy. I don't know if you've heard the story. A couple of players and coaches have now come out and said uh, that he pretty much called his number on that one. He, yeah, he went Babe Ruth style. He called his shot. He told him he was going to do it. Yeah. I mean, that's you just have a good feeling when a guy like him just lines up and says, I'm about to do this and does it. You know, it's one thing to say, then another thing to actually do it. So pretty <laughs> cool to see uh, Colby do that. And, and it just kind of shows me that his – uh, you know, football IQ is really high. You know, he sees the weakness. He knows what he needs to do. And, uh, I mean, he he's going to move on 
at the next level. And I think he could be really somebody that has a pretty decent career in the NFL. So, all right. Any other kind of big ones, uh, any defensive players that kind of stood out to you um, this game? I didn't notice it, but I've heard other people talk about how well Nehemiah Pritchett, uh, I'm sorry, Jalen Simpson has stepped in at uh, playing safety. Yeah. Um, They've actually, uh, several people have talked about that looks like a more comfortable position for him. Um, Mm. So uh, DJ James, man, I thought he had that interception, but he just seems to always be around the ball. I mean, it was the right call. He didn't get it, but, Mm -hmm. you know, live, we thought he did. He seems to always be around the ball. Um, I don't is Cam Riley the answer? I mean, like, I haven't seen Steiner much, and I feel like people are not running on us as well. Yeah. I don't know what's causing that. Are we better coaching? I don't know what it is, but uh, Cam Riley's definitely playing more. And um, I know Mississippi State was not a run-heavy team, but they just <laughs> didn't really get it going when they tried. A&M is more of run, and they couldn't get it going there. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm liking what I'm seeing on the defense right now. Yeah, the changes that I'm seeing, which is kind of weird. I think we talked about it last week. You know, we still have, for the most part, I think every defensive coach. I mean, our defensive coordinator is still here. And what's changed? It was the head coach. And why is our defense looking better now than it did before? I, 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 I My theory is, I don't. I don't want to say it too bad on Harson because I don't. We don't know what all went wrong because there were players that like went to his defense in the offseason, right? Mm-hmm. My theory is he didn't connect enough with these players to when the season went off the rails, they kept giving a hundred percent. And I think Caddy has come in and made people give a not made them. He's he's inspired people to give a hundred percent. Right. So I think that I, I think it's that simple because we still have. Schmetting calling plays mm-hmm. now is Schmetting more free because I will say this: Arson probably was meddling because that's what head coaches do typically. And Caddy's mm-hmm. very much, hey, you, I'm gonna put this in your control. I trust you. Go, go develop a game plan. <laughs> yeah, and maybe Schmetting is able to do some things he wasn't able to do scheme wise. That's very possible. I mean, uh, even Schmetting, you know, I, I thought of him originally as a guy. You know, it was kind of like one of the Harson's boys, you know, one of his gang. And really, he he only had a very limited stint with him. He was only with him for a year at Boise. Yeah. I mean, so he was with him a year at Boise and two years at all. Well, a year and a half at Auburn. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, even if he was, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean. I think so. What I was told, what I not what I was told, what I heard was essentially Rich McGlynn went and talked, got a feel for everything and said, hey. Who are the guys that we think will help us improve? Who 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 should we keep on as coaches? And I think he even got players input. And as, at the end of the day, McGuinn's a smart guy. He obviously thought Schmetting was going to give it his all. Mm-hmm. And it it turns out it was a wise decision. I thought it was silly at the time, just clean house if you're going to do it. But yeah, I mean, I think it was a wise decision. Right. No, I think so too. Uh, I can only imagine the changeover. You know, we've seen it on the offensive side, struggling there. But how much of a change that would have been to say, you know, throw, I don't know, the DB coach, you know, Zach Etheridge or something out there and say, hey, run the defense when you haven't done it. And that's that's a lot to put on a person. Yeah. Um, let's talk about special teams to kind of round this out. Uh, we had Daniel Carl or Anders Carlson uh, not 
uh, be there. I, I think I saw a picture of him at Tiger Walk uh, with the sling on. So looked like he was slightly banged up and uh, not going. Uh, but, hey, Alex McPherson stepped in there. Uh, I mean, you and I had kind of called for it and hoped, you know, Alex could get out there and do it. Uh, his opening kickoff went out of bounds, kind of unfortunate. Um, I heard an interview from the special teams coach that essentially went over it. You know, Alex, he was just like, dude, you, you just like went too fast. Like as soon as the whistle blowed, he was kicking the ball. And sometimes you just got to take a deep breath. Yeah. You know, especially kicking. It's all about timing. You know, get ready, perform. It was and, interesting that we brought in the, uh, didn't we, did we have the punter start doing it from then on? Who was, who's the it was uh, Evan punter? McGuire. He, okay. he had done kickoffs for us uh, last year when Anders went out for a little okay, bit. Okay. Okay. Cause his first, he came in and his first one was a beautiful kick. And then he went, he also struggled to get it to the end zone. After yeah. That. Yeah. And, and I was thinking it kind of looks like he was, he was trying to kick it too high, especially when you, I mean, you were in the stadium, there was tons of wind Oh yeah, and, and it was very, blowing very towards the, you know, the end with the jumbotron. So if you're going into that wind, I mean, it's, it would be hard for any kicker to get it to the end zone. And I, I think they were just thinking, let's just, you know, pop it up real high, pretty much say we're not, there's no return. Like you got to fair catch it. Yeah. And, and that was successful. We didn't have any uh, major flubs with uh, kickoffs besides that very first kick. Um, but we also did, you know, put out Alex McPherson for uh, a couple, well, actually three different field goals. Um, he went two for three. Uh, the very first one of all things was a 54 yarder. Yeah. Um, you imagine being a freshman kicker. I mean, he he's there's video of it. I think he nailed like a 60, 61 yarder in high school. I mean, he has the leg. I mean, the 54 yarder even had a leg, had the leg to do it. Uh, that's a long way. I mean, I kind of get it. I get it why he wanted to do it early in the game, but yeah, pretty crazy. Did, um, did you see the uh, Justin Ferguson? Who what is who is he with? Uh, Auburn Observer, maybe. Yes. Yeah. Okay. He he. He apparently tweeted out that uh, Cadillac Williams was in uh, essentially group me chats with his former teammates, and obviously he wasn't reading these during the game. But they were saying they were saying Cadillac, what are you doing, man? You got to kick the field goal. You're not playing the <laughs> game. Yeah, I love Just, that. That's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, he did kick the field goal. I don't know which one they're talking about, but they're like, you're not playing a video game, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, and I, I think he did start to make the right decisions because we all knew in the Mississippi state game, you're in Starkville. You got to make the, you got to make the gutsy call. And it also, I mean, when you make those, I think it endears the team to you. It's showing I'm behind you. I think you can do it. And I think this game, he, he saw, Hey, we've got the lead here and Texas A&M probably isn't going to score at least multiple times. And so he was like, all right, cool. I can be a little bit more conservative. And he adjusted. Um, he didn't make as many crazy calls, uh, you know, put us in a bad situation. So I like that. Yeah. I think real quick. Um, so we, we got a quick, I know we only got two games left, but we got down. Uh, this could have been a blowout. I mean, we got down in the red zone so many times and we would, we would shoot ourselves in the foot. We'd false start. We would, uh, you know, get sacked because we fumbled the ball and jump mm-hmm. back on it. We got to clean that up because that that killed drives. I mean, we could have. I mean, I was almost. I think after we got the strip fumble from Kobe Wooden, I was like, kick the field goal on first down. 
let's do not get out of field goal range. I was <laughs> a little bit of tongue in cheek, but um, yeah. and, and then man, AJ, that pass to hunt to Jarquez, oh, he'd dude. still be running, dude. Ah, so I, true. I'm like, that's an that's another scheming the dude open. I love it. You gotta. I don't want to get down on a player, man, but you gotta make that. That's like, yeah, that's one of those where you put so much air under it that, yeah, he might get caught where it would have uh-huh. been a touchdown, but at least it's a big gainer. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I just, whew, that one still hurts. Yeah, it still hurts me because think about that. If we had gotten that pass, ball game, the state, I mean, we might have rushed the field. I mean, the game would have been over. I mean, that was, yeah, that would have been a seventy-yard wide-open touchdown. Yeah. But hey, that's that's the way things go. I mean, we still got the win. We won. We won, no doubt. I I was glad to see it. Um, even you know, at points in this game, I was thinking, wow, we're trading punts back and forth, back and forth. And then I look at the numbers, and yeah, you know, Oscar Chapman did have five punts. He averaged about forty-four yards. Um, he had, I think, two if not three within the ten-yard line. And there was even one that I think he really, had the other one. They just, yeah. The one where they caught. I, I'd like to replay on that, but yeah. But, hey, he did his job, and I love it. Um, so we were, we were doing things on special teams, which was pretty refreshing considering, you know, the Mississippi State game. This you know, That was one of our downfalls. All right, Jared, any other final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, no, I mean, it's just it's, football's fun again. I mean, that's crazy. To, I'm sure other fan bases are laughing at us, but I don't really care because I don't do Twitter, <laughs> so I don't know about it. So, uh, hey, we're enjoying football, and let's – Let's let's win out, man. Let's make a bowl game. Let's go beat Western Kentucky and and Alabama is not the Alabama typical. It's not. It's gonna be super hard in Tuscaloosa, but they're yeah. not superhuman. Right. Well, and I, I'm, I was just thinking, you know, ahead to that game a little bit. This is a. I mean, this is one of the most down Alabama teams I think I've seen in a very long time, and I, I know they're gonna bring their A game. And Cadillacs and his team have got to perform, but it's much more of a chance than I think most people would give us. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, here's the reality: we're not going to win that game, but there is actually a chance. But Bama is not great, and um, typically there would be no chance. Right. All right, Jared. How can the people stay in touch with you? You can find me on Facebook under my name, Jared Davis, and you can find me on Twitter at ajyjay underscore. It's always great to be an Auburn Tiger and War Eagle. War Eagle. Thank you for tuning in today's episode on the E2C Network. On your way out, I want to remind you to stop by E2Cnetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop for all our content across our podcast, YouTube channel, and much more. To stay up to date with us, make sure you're following social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While our content here may always be Auburn sports heavy, if it's orange and blue, it's what we do. War Eagle.